0: Throughout the years, I've had numerous conversations with individuals at different health clubs where I've worked out where at some point in time we get into some kind of spiritual conversation. I've had conversations with individuals that have discussed uh, evangelism. Uh, Sometimes you run across members who are working out at the same gym, and sometimes you just kind of start talking about that, and they want you to talk to someone else there. I've also have had conversations with others talking about uh, salvation. And talking about baptism. Uh, most recently, I'm working out now at the YMCA uh, right down the street. I had a conversation with a couple of people there. And we were just talking a little bit about Bible study. And one of the individuals I was speaking to, she had mentioned her husband is a, a preacher here in town. And she had mentioned you know, how she really is studying more for herself. And I thought that's, that's really good to do. Uh, that should be the mindset that we have. And thinking about the YMCA, maybe we should start a meet-up or something like that at the YMCA. That would be something pretty cool to do as well. A number of years ago, I had a conversation with someone at another gym. And this conversation was actually on the topic of hell. Uh, I knew the man a little bit. He was a teacher out of school in Beaumont, and I had had the opportunity to meet him. And he actually had opened up some doors for me to be able to teach the Word of God Uh, in that school each Wednesday. And he played a very pivotal role for me to do that, and he referred to himself as a Christian. And so as we were sweating away on our ellipticals and trying to have this conversation, he asked me uh, a question here. And the question was this, do you think people who go to hell will have a chance to eventually move up onto heaven or move up to heaven? you think people who, who go to hell will eventually have another opportunity essentially by God To go to heaven? How would you answer that question? I think the way you just answer that question, or at least in your mind, is the way that I answer the question as well. I said, "No, I I don't believe that." You know, when a person dies, their fate is sealed, and now on this side of life is the opportunity for God's mercy and and for God's grace. And yet, He responded to to my answer in an interesting way. He said, as we were working out, "So you're on that side of the fence." And I was trying to figure out what does he mean by you're on that side of the fence. What do you think he meant when he said that? You're on that side of the fence. I think what he meant, what I understood what he meant was that I believe essentially what the Bible says. That hell is going to be a place of everlasting punishment. That when the Lord returns there are going to be those who go to heaven who will be caught up in the air with him to be with him forever according to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And that there are going to be many, sadly, who will find themselves eternally separated from God. In fact, Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus actually spoke quite a bit about hell and this idea of eternal punishment. And he doesn't give us any indication at all that people are going to have this, this second chance after they die to, to move up back into heaven. That's not going to happen. In Matthew 25 and verse number 46, Jesus said, These will go away into eternal punishment. Hell is a real place. A lot of people don't believe that, but that's what the Bible teaches. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Heaven is a real place. It's a place for the people of God. It's a place that you and I can go. Jesus would say something else about hell in Mark chapter 9. He actually spent quite a bit of time in his, in his ministry. He would, he would often talk about this. In Mark chapter 9 and verse number 43, will you look at that for me, please? Look, turn there with me, please. In Mark chapter 9 and verse number 43, Mark chapter 9, verse 43, Jesus said, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Why? It's better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If, the, if your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Jesus spoke about hell. He spoke about that it is a place that is real. It is a place that people will spend eternity. It is a place that we need to make sure that we avoid at all cost. And there's not going to be this do-over after we die and after Christ returns where we can just kind of move up into heaven. Now is the opportunity. Now is our opportunity. And I got to tell you, I was a little bit surprised by this man's response. Because evidently he was reading the Bible and he described himself as being a Christian. And so my question really for myself, I don't even know if I asked him it, but I asked him, you know, I was thinking, how is it that a religious minded church going individual who reads the Bible seems to have a hard time believing what the Bible has to say about this particular topic, about the topic of hell? The truth is he was on the wrong side of the fence. He told me you're on that side of the fence. My goal and our goal should always be on God's side, right? What the Word has to say. It's not about my side, but it's about being on God's side. And he is actually on the wrong side of the fence because he doesn't believe what the Bible has to say. And that got me thinking, I want to consider, why is it that some end up on the wrong side of the fence? And I want to talk about which side of the fence are we on? It's a question that we need to think about, not just for people in the world, but for us as well. As we think about what the Bible teaches, and maybe it's not just with the topic of hell, but you name the topic. Jesus said so much and taught so much in his ministry. What do we believe about the words that we have in this book? Do we believe them to be true? Will we stand on these words even when others may not stand on them? Which side of the fence are we going to be on? We need to make sure that we're on God's side so that we can avoid what happens when we're not. But why is it that sometimes individuals are going to find themselves or find themselves right now on the wrong side of the fence? There's a number of things I could say. I'm just going to give you three thoughts this morning. I think sometimes people end up on the wrong side of the fence because sometimes people just fail to read the Bible. I think a lot of people are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. They're already on the wrong side of the fence, not God's side, because they simply are not reading the Bible. I could list a number of stats and numbers. I don't think we even need to do that. I think we just kind of know that, right? You can just look around at society. You can listen to the news. You can listen to people. And you can just see that many individuals are simply not reading the Bible. Just from conversing and even having Bible studies with individuals, many people simply do not read. Many individuals can go to church their entire lives. And they really don't have a good understanding about what the Bible says. I remember years ago when I was in sales and a great friend of mine, she, she had some Bible questions and I was thankful that she approached me and, and had some questions for me and, and she, would go to, she would go to her services at the church that she attended and yet she made it very clear to me that she simply does not read. She wasn't reading the word of God. Why is it that so many people are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence? It's because sometimes people simply are not opening up the word of God. And as disciples of Jesus, we need to be people of the book. We need to open up the word of God. I was reading this article on on ESPN about a number of athletes who basically put their trust and all their finances in this one person's hand. And after a number of years, she drained all their accounts and they had no idea what happened. They weren't keeping up with their affairs. They weren't keeping up with their finances. And what a terrible thing that really is. But how much worse when it comes to our soul and individuals sometimes do that today. They'll, they'll trust what a person has to say or they'll hear something, but they won't take the time to open up the book. We need to be people of the book. Can I give you a couple of verses to think about? In 2 Peter chapter 1, we need to be people of the book. And I know this is kind of an elementary point, but it's such a powerful point that even Peter, before he died, reminded the saints, You need to be people of the book. You need to keep growing. In 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse number 5, Peter reminded the saints, You need to continue to grow. This is not something that is optional. It's not just something you just kind of, you know, when you have time and you get kind of busy. No, this is something that needs to be a lifelong journey. Where he said in verse 5, now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your face, supply moral excellence. We spent a lot of time last year talking about some of these things: moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours, listen to what he says, and are increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. And so Peter, Peter's reminding them of just some fundamentals, some basics. And Peter even said later on in the text in verse 12, he said, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. Listen, you already know this, but I need to tell you again. That's what he was emphasizing to those Christians. That's what we need to hear. We need to be people of the book. In Second Peter chapter 3, as he wrapped this up, he would remind them again. In verse number 18, the very last verse of the chapter, he said, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. We need to grow. We need to continue to increase in our knowledge of what God has to say. We need to know what the scriptures have to say, brothers and sisters, about heaven, hell, life, and death. I'm actually going to be talking about that next quarter in our Bible class. We're going to have a Bible class going through the book of Ephesians. We're going to have a Bible class looking at different denominations and the different views that are out there. Why? Because the Bible gives us the right answers. The Bible tells us what it is that we need to know and believe, and there's so much confusion. And so much of the confusion is because people are simply not reading. We need to make sure that we end up on the right side of the fence, and that is God's side. And it's so easy for me to to look at others and say, well, obviously they should be reading more. But I also have to look at myself. And I need to look at my habits. You need to look at your habits as well. Do you need to read more? I don't know if I can give you a straight threshold of how much you should be reading or how much time. I'm not going to try to do that. But I do want you to think about just this idea of the importance of Bible study. And it is going to be more than just maybe reading one verse. I think that can be good on occasions. And reading a daily devotion, I think that's good. But I believe we really need to be reading and diving into the Scriptures. You know, I think about Jesus during his life. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 4. And this was the custom uh, for the Jews in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 16. As Jesus would go into the synagogue on a weekly basis, we find Jesus. We find him reading. And one of the most powerful things for us to do, simply just to read. A, a public reading we find throughout the scriptures. And obviously, a private kind of reading is, is necessary as well. In Luke 4 and verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written. And we're going to see that he would read from the Word of God. The synagogues would have these sections where these scrolls could be kept so that individuals could read there on a weekly basis. In fact, in our Bible reading in Acts chapter 13, look at Acts chapter 13, then we'll go to chapter 15. In Acts chapter 13, we see this idea of how the Jews, they would read and they would do this in a public manner on a regular basis. In Acts chapter 13 and verse number 27, this is where Paul was talking about Jesus and who he was. And he said in verse number 27, for those who live in Jerusalem, And their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. The prophets were being read every Sabbath. And that's something I think that is good for us to think about. They were reading God's word, studying God's word on a regular basis. In Acts chapter 15, I want you to notice in verse number 21, we see the same idea as well as the church was figuring through some issues that they had. In Acts chapter 15 and verse number 21, we see this idea where it says, for Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he has read in the synagogues every Sabbath. They were reading God's word. They were reading the prophets. They were reading the words of Moses. And we find the same thing going on in the church in the first century. Look over in Colossians chapter 4. As Paul was wrapping up his letter there in Colossians chapter 4, I want you to notice what he says here in verse number 16. Again, I'm saying all this because for us to end up on the right side of the fence, on God's side, knowing what he says knowing what he wants us to believe we're gonna to have to open up his book and we're gonna to have to read the word of God Paul said at the end of his letter of Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16 when this letter is read among you have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and you for your part read my letter that is coming from Laodicea read listen Study, listen to God's word. This is a theme found all throughout the word of God. And Deuteronomy chapter 17, you turn back there. And Deuteronomy chapter 17, even the kings were given instruction. The future kings were given instructions. It was going to be for their benefit. They needed to have their own personal copy of God's word. And Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse number 18. The Bible says this, Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord is God. There's one of the benefits right there of reading, to learn to fear the Lord is God by carefully, listen to that, observing all the words of this law, which meant that he had to know the law, know the law. The king had to know the law and these statutes that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen to protect them from pride. And that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. Look over in Psalm chapter one. I'm sharing all these verses here because all throughout the word of God, this is what God's people have been encouraged to do. It is for our benefit to make sure we don't end up on the wrong side of the fence. We need to know what God has to say. Let me tell you. This isn't going to happen quickly. This isn't going to happen quickly. I get in mode sometimes. I want to get, you know, I want to get, I want to get like 10 or 15 things done in one day. And I want to move. I want to move. But we got to slow down. And that's going to require time. And you think about what the psalmist said in verse 1 of Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Is my delight in the law of the Lord? That's something I, I'm, Nikki and I are trying to work on with, with our son, helping him to see the, the value of God's word and helping him to have this relationship with God and his word and to see that God's word is something something to, to read with excitement and that it's valuable in nature And that's something that we all need to develop, that we have this delight in the law of the Lord. And think about this. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Folks, that requires time. And that requires us reading and taking to heart and considering what it is that God has to say. Why is it that some people end up on the wrong side of the fence? Sometimes it's just because they're just not opening up the word of God. All throughout his ministry, Jesus said, have you not read? He said that in Matthew 19. Have you not read what God did in the beginning? Have you not read? And that's a thought that I need to ask myself. Have I not read? Am I reading enough? Am I actually studying enough what God has to say? You want to end up on the right side of the fence? You want to end up on God's side, believing what he has to say and doing what he wants you to do? That means we're going to have to open up the book. I think that's sometimes why some end up on the wrong side of the fence. But sometimes people end up on the wrong side of the fence because they read, but they fail to understand. As I worked out with this uh, gentleman at the gym, we discussed the importance of the scriptures. And certainly he had a Bible, and he would read the Word of God. And yet he did share with me that he thought many things in the scriptures are often very mysterious and that we can't really understand at times some of the things. Now, there are some challenging passages in the word of God, no no doubt about it. But one of the things that is very clear in God's word, one of the things that is that is never should never be an issue for us is that we can actually understand what God wants us to understand. He makes that very clear. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3. And I want you to notice what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 3, then Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to notice what Paul has to say here. Paul made it very clear that indeed he had received revelation from God that he would write this down. He had an expectation that the people would read it than that they would understand it. In Ephesians chapter three, Paul said that by revelation, there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, there it is, there's an expectation there. When you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. We can know what God's will is. We can read what has been revealed to the apostles and the prophets. And we can have this understanding. In fact, Paul would go one step further in Ephesians chapter 5. And he would remind the saints as he talked about how they were to walk, not in darkness, but in the light. In Ephesians chapter 5, he said in verse number 15, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish here. Listen to what he said. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand. Understand. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, certainly there's going to be some challenging things. The book of Hebrews has been very challenging to me. And studying the book of Romans at times and Revelation and Ezekiel and Daniel and some of these other books sometimes can be challenging. But we don't use the excuse that, well, I just don't know. We can't really know God's will. And, you know, I don't really know if that's what, what he's saying about hell and, and people getting this other opportunity. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, we just, maybe it's just too hard for us to understand. That's not the case at all. And sometimes people end up on the wrong side of the fence, not because they're not reading, but sometimes they simply fail to understand. And I think part of the challenge for many people today is that they just fail to use the Bible properly. There are so many different Bible study methods out there. I was studying something recently called the Bible Code Method. And it's been around for a long period of time. And it's supposed to be a way of discerning hidden messages in the text of God's Word. And, and people use this. And you go on YouTube and you can see all different kinds of videos. And what they do, instead of looking at the books of the Bible as books with a particular context, what they do, this form looks at individual letters of the words of Scripture. And so they go back to their original language and they look at some individual letters of the words of Scripture and they start with a single letter at a randomly determined point in the text. Uh, and then they skip to a fixed number of letters over and over again, jumping from letter to letter. As many times as it takes until a sequence of letters produce an actual word. And people have come up with a variety of, of, say, of, of, of things where they say, this famous person is spoken of in the Bible. And this event has been recorded in the Bible. And that has nothing to do with what the word of God actually has to say. And what they're doing, we see the problem here. That there is great confusion because they're not properly handling the Bible. One can open up the Bible and use all of these different methods and things like that, but they're not studying the proper way. I don't believe that really is a problem for us, but, but even as the people of God, we do need to remember and appreciate the, the historical setting of the books that we read, that why these books were written to a certain group of people. And why the author is writing certain things. I had a study yesterday and we kind of we talked about this. You look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as we talked about context here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, what you find actually in books like Corinthians, you get some better understanding of why Paul was writing what he was writing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's going to talk about marriage. And in verse number 1, I want you to notice what he says here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse number 1, Paul said, Now concerning the things about which you wrote, And that was one of the things we talked about. Paul was going to talk about all of this because some of the Christians had some questions about this. So he says, now concerning the things about which you wrote. So he's responding back to answer some of their questions. So something like that becomes important because you see this actually throughout the writings of Paul. In chapter 8, he would say the same thing. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols. He's going to jump from topic to topic to address issues that needed to be addressed during that time. And I'm saying all of this just to show you and to, to demonstrate that how we read is important. Understanding the context of why books were written and who they were written to and how they were written. Books read differently in the Word of God. The book of Romans is going to read differently than the book of Proverbs. And the book of Revelation is going to read differently than other books. And part of the confusion where individuals end up on the wrong side of the fence is because while they may read, they may not necessarily handle the word of God correctly and that's not just a problem for individuals it can be a problem even for the people of God where context becomes important where we're not just looking at one particular verse but we're looking at the surrounding context of what the Bible has to say and sometimes people are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence because yeah they may read but they have a a, a failure to truly understand and that's something we have to avoid and again this requires us reading And it requires us taking the necessary time to read. But I think there may be a bigger reason why some are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. And this is something that we need to be careful of as well. I think some are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence, not being on God's side with what he has to say in his word. Because some can read, some will understand. But there are going to be times where people just simply fail to believe. They can read what the Bible says. And they can handle the word of God correctly. And I think this is the the biggest thing that often gets in the way. Not that people have a poor understanding of the scriptures, but oftentimes individuals have stubborn hearts. And that is a danger even for the people of God. You look at the, the, the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus helps us to see that so many of these individuals in the first century, they had all the evidence they ever needed. They had the word preaching the word. They had Jesus performing miracles. I'm turning over to John chapter 12. And yet, while they saw all these things, there were other factors that got in their way. That got in their way of aligning themselves with God. That got in their way of truly aligning themselves with Jesus. Things like tradition and people and peer pressure. And John chapter 12, and verse 42, Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, and that 's powerful too, they saw the miracles, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They believed in him, they saw the miracles, they heard what he was saying, well they weren 't willing to go all the way to confess and to truly follow him. why well, because of seeking approval from men. And I think that happens all the time today. The doctrine of hell is not a popular doctrine. It is not a popular teaching that a lot of people want to hear. And you're really not going to hear too many sermons about the subject of hell. We need to hear it, though, because it's what the Bible teaches. And a lot of people today dismiss this idea that that God is actually willing to allow some to be eternally separated from him. How can that ever be? It's a failure to truly understand God and his nature, and who he is, and how much he really does love us, and yet understand that he's also a God of justice. And so it's not because sometimes people just don't read or don't even necessarily understand, but I think there are often other factors that get in the way as to why some are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. And it's not my side, it's being on God's side, being on what he says in his word. It's because of attitudes I think some are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. Because of likes and dislikes. Because of the approval of men. This isn't popular anymore. So we don't want to talk about this anymore. And truly that can't be the case. Don't we see that today? We see that today with sexuality. That you just, you, you be whatever you want to be. And yet what, what the Bible has to say is no longer popular. So, so maybe we need to rethink what we believe about this. People are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. Whether it's with sexuality, marriage, drinking, modesty, forgiveness, you name it. Attitudes and certain prejudices and likes and dislikes can get in the way. And sometimes people have the mindset where they will say, or maybe they don't say it out loud, but maybe they'll say it in their hearts. I know what the Bible says, but I guess I'm just going to have to be wrong about this. Or I know what the Bible teaches, but I guess God will just have to forgive me as if we can tell God exactly what to do. I know what the Bible says, but I just don't want to change. That's going to cause people to end up on the wrong side of the fence. The question, though, is what about us? Which side of the fence are we on? What are we truly standing on when it comes to what we believe? It can't just be, well, my family believes this, so this is what I'm going to believe. That's not going to help us. We've got to stand on what God has to say in his word. You know what I think is interesting just kind of thinking about all of this? I want to show you one last passage, and I want to wrap this up. In Jeremiah chapter 7, I think this is a great example, and there's so many examples in the book of Jeremiah where you're looking at God's people under that first covenant. And they heard God's word, and certainly they would have been reading God's word. And they certainly had a good understanding of God's word. And yet, when you look at Jeremiah chapter 7, and this is just one of many passages you could go to. In Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse number 23, this is what, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And you will walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but they but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart and went backward. And not forward, since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have sent all my servants, the prophets, daily, rising and early and sending them. They heard the word of God on a regular basis. They heard it on a regular basis. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did more evil than their fathers. The problem was not the word of God or hearing it enough. The problem was not understanding. I'm pretty sure they understood what they were hearing. The problem was they just didn't want to listen, and they had a stubborn hearts. And, brothers and sisters, I think this is why, sadly, so many are going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. But what are we going to believe? Which side of the fence are we going to be on? Are we going to study the proper way with the right attitude and the right manner and then believe and obey what we have learned as well? This is about being right with our Heavenly Father. And we need to make sure that we are on the right side of the fence, and that's God's side. And his word will ensure that we are. So let's make sure that we appreciate God's word, that we hold it and understand the value of it, and that we not just read it and even understand it. That's important. We need to do that. But we we go that next step. We follow it. We obey it. We hide it. We share it we believe it. That's what we need to do. And make sure that we are on God's side when it comes to salvation. Jesus made it very clear. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's what God teaches. The question is, will we obey? If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.